Blog Talk Radio. Okay, this is like what the third <laughs> time that's happened. Uh, welcome to Girl Power Hour. I had the music turned off because I'm redoing some stuff, and it decided to turn itself back on. So, all right. <laughs> love library. I love library. <laughs> so, I came home. I was at a a thing that I was doing for an art event that I'm part of, and and I came home, and there was this wonderful little package sitting on my front porch. So I go in, and I eagerly unwrap it, and I'm now smothered in three wise men oil and lotion. <laughs> yeah, don't try I to hold the glass. <laughs> I smell great. <laughs> so Yay! I, um, yeah, uh, lots of patchouli. I love patchouli. Me too. And I went a little uh, heavier on the blend this time with the patchouli, and I really like it that way. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I'm just really excited. So, Tasha, how are you? I'm great. I'm I'm also smelling quite quite good right now. I uh, Courtney came over and dropped this off to me, and and I hugged her, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you smell amazing! And she goes, Well, you're about to smell just like me, and I was like, Fantastic! <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was. I don't smell like potatoes anymore, Courtney. I told her, I said, Just excuse the smell when you walk in because I'm making lunch. So she said she just followed the smell of potatoes to find my apartment. But um, <laughs> I don't smell like that now. I smell like patchouli and, and Three Wise Men, which Three Wise Men is my all time favorite scent of yours. So I cannot thank you enough. I'm smothered in it as well, and I'm absolutely thrilled about it. Yes, that's yes, fantastic. Yes. Well, we got- that's the one people stop me and ask me about. I yeah. love it. I've not yeah. used it before. I've always been with the RSVP scent, and mm-hmm. I call them flavors. But <laughs> right? Because <laughs> um, they kind of are. Yeah. They are. So these are, are great. I love the, the uh, three white men. So we've got Courtney Headley here. And when I talk about Courtney and I say she's a Renaissance woman, I absolutely mean it because she's an artist, she's a healer, she's a musician, uh, she's a writer, a dance instructor, choreographer, intimacy educator, which is fascinating. Would learn, love to learn more about that. But um, we are so excited. She's, she's here in Lubbock. And we're going to be talking about a couple of things. If we have more time, we're going to be covering more stuff that she does. I mean, we're very excited. So welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much. Okay. So you have the hollow bound that we've been bragging about, skincare <laughs> products. And tell us about... Why Why did you come up with it, and where did the name come from first? Um, I, I'm drawn to mysticism in history, and Valhalla was always kind of the, the ideal idea of what heaven is. You earn your way in, but it's nobody else's responsibility but your own. Taking care of our uh-huh. skin is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So 
the skin, everybody says this, and it's just like a Dr. Oz thing to say, but your skin is the largest organ on your body, and it's always replenishing itself. And that's the number one thing people have problems with is their skin. You lead with your face. You lead with the rest of the way you take care of yourself. Your demeanor is often kind of on the heels of how you feel about your place in the world, generally not just how you look. But if you look good, you feel mm-hmm. good. So there's no True. reason not to just, like, cut out the mental end. <laughs> just to feel good, and you'll look good. So there you go. I, uh, I have rampant chemical allergies, like artificial perfumes, things that are in some of the waxes they use to make sorbot soap shelf-stable for um. a long period of time are really bad for our skin. And I had some some issues myself and decided to try just going really back to basics. I'd used unscented everything, you know, no perfumes, no oils, all of this. And and it, it helped, but it didn't really it didn't really make the difference that I wanted it to make in my own my own skincare. So I started researching essential oils and had some absolutely horrible combinations <laughs> the whole deal because when you're winging it <laughs> you have to use some really expensive batches of really crappy soap sometimes <laughs> just to get rid of it because you can't even give it away as gift but then after a while you learn to temper the oils and you learn what goes with what and you learn what purpose they serve and how they can complement each other and that makes a big difference so I started making soap for gifts and we did that for a couple of years at Christmas. And, you know, how when you give the same thing or essentially the same thing at Christmas, you expect that they're all going, like, rolling their eyes, going, oh, this again, great, can buy me something. Right. But then we, we bought Christmas presents the next year, and everyone was incredibly indignant that I had not made the soap. They were like, we wait oh, all year for this. So, <laughs> so the next year I learned my lesson and I started making soap for Christmas again, and that led to the idea of sharing it with other people that might benefit from it. And that was kind of the birth of Valhalla Bound. You want everybody to take responsibility for their own metaphysical, emotional, and and physical state, you know? So yeah. that's kind of where it leads. And you talk about essential oils because they really do, and I'm sure you found this, they not only help the skin, but they help emotions and they help us spiritually. They really work on all levels. Absolutely, absolutely. And and on levels that you may not even consider, if you're not interested in essential oils, that somebody gives you some really great soap that benefits or fits a need that you might have, you know, just to explain myself, frank, the frankincense in the Three Wise Men is really good for depression. It's a good mood lifter. The whole blend mm-hmm. kind of affects your general state of being, whether you believe it's going to or not. But if you're not aware of it, it still benefits you, even if you don't understand on what levels it does. Right. So you even if you give it. this to somebody, do I? You had to do an awful lot of research to this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You read incessantly. Um, 
and, and like I said, you make mistakes. You get stuff that doesn't go together, and if it doesn't go together chemically, it doesn't work on the holistic level that you want it to. So they both tie wow. into each other. I never even thought about that because a lot of times you just see, you know, like lavender or rosemary or just one scent. But what you're doing is you're actually going in and you're finding what's going to work holistically to help people on every level, which is really On cool. multiple levels, right. Yeah, the soap is great soap, but if you have sensitive skin or you have um, hormonal skin, say like women in general, if you get breakouts along your jawline, mm-hmm. it's generally hormonal in nature. So if you can address that by using things that subconsciously assist in that kind of balance, because it's all about balance. You have to create something that is going to cause, that's going to create balance but not cause harm in someone that doesn't need that. Because if somebody who's depressed is using three wise men, they're going to benefit from the antidepressive qualities of the frankincense, but at the same time, Somebody who's not depressed using it just uses it because they like they like the scent. It makes them right. feel good. They just don't know why. They don't care. <laughs> that's not that's not on their radar. So anybody can use it, and anybody can benefit from it, either directly or passively. And it's not necessarily just your awareness of what's going on. But I know and let me jump in really quickly because I I want to say I, Courtney has not mentioned this yet, and I, I don't want to change the topic, but I. I didn't know this, and I learned this today because um, this is something you can even, the oils are something you can even use on your animals, correct? Absolutely. They're they're not limited to human use. I use everything from Arnica gel to my complete care oil on our little dog. She's nine. She's had some skin issues in the past, and she has not since I started using my oils on her at all. And it's really amazing to see that in our pets, especially because they're our babies, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And are are these safe for kids, too, to use on children? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I would, with the oils, they're really concentrated, so I would always dilute them um, depending on who you're going to use it on. If you're, like, in in the notes I gave you guys in your your, uh, gift. Yeah. The oil is is great, full strength, all over your body, but when you get it around your eyes and around, like, your mucous membranes with your nose and everything up there, you want to be really careful with it and dilute it because essential oils are exactly that. They're the absolute essence of whatever plant they're derived from, and I think a lot of people underestimate the power of those oils. I mean, don't just willy-nilly go go up to grab a bunch of oils that you read about and start slapping them on your face because you can cause some real damage. You have to be careful. That's one thing about the essential oils that um, they're great to use, but do your research before you you use them so that, you know, like you said, you're not putting on full strength. Like you don't want to put full strength peppermint oil on um, because it will burn. <laughs> or, you know, especially sure. some people. Anywhere but the bottoms of your feet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Don't go don't go using wintergreen in your sun tanning oil because you think it's gonna make you smell good because wintergreen causes photosensitivity in people who are already prone to it or are taking drugs that lead them to be photosensitive. You have right. to know what you're putting on your body before it'll benefit you. Well what I love about it is you have done your research. And you've done the research for us. <laughs> we don't have well, that's to kind it. of the point. Yeah, I want you. I, and a lot of times, I'll use a gut instinct to figure out which scent is going to work best for somebody, or which mm-hmm. flavor, or whatever you want to call it. You know, that will work best for someone with a particular feeling that I get. And you know, again, that goes into the metaphysical side of things. I'll get a gut instinct well, about what someone needs. And so far, I've been pretty close. Well, so. intuition plays a big part in this, though. In in almost everything you, well, no, in everything you do, in everything everybody does, intuition should play a really big part because if you're, like you said, you know, you if somebody calls you and said, I need an oil, and they talk to you, then you use your intuition or your knowledge to then put together, you know, tell them which one is going to be best for them. But that goes with your being a musician. You have to use your mm-hmm. intuition for that. Writing, oh, yeah. of course, you know, choreography, all of it. I mean, all the of it. The seat of so, my proverbial pants gets worn out from flying by it. So. <laughs> 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 well, I love the fact that you do use your intuition because that, that is, uh, and you trust it, Um is very, very, um, I, I think too many of us don't, and we need that to is, get back to that. That is definitely a daily decision that each person has to make, and you have to pay attention. If if your gut is telling you something is wrong, it probably is, for whatever reason. It may not be the reasons your imagination concocts, but it's going to be for a reason. So if you feel something is wrong, rethink it. And that's, right. that's kind of how how we do our music. That's how, how we present it. We've had to rethink a lot of things lately because we've gone back acoustic from doing predominantly aggress- fairly aggressive Texas mm-hmm. rock for the last 15 years. You go back and you take it down to acoustic and it, people can hear when you make a mistake. Right. <laughs> for sure. So... You know, right. you take it all back to I basics and you rethink it. So. Awesome. And you, I want to, okay, I want to jump to, when when you're talking about being a healer, is is this mostly with your oils and, you know, or do you do other type of modalities of healing? Maybe not for everybody I else, think, but for yourself. I think that it, you know, ironically, I have a tendency to forget about myself in the healing aspect because I get focused on spreading it really thin to other people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's also yeah. an active choice to make sure you have that balance. It's like we were talking about balance before. It's all about balance. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think when we're young, we don't stop and think about needing balance. But when you get a little older and you have some more road miles on you or some more experience, you realize that the basis of any, anything that you consider yourself to be successful at is about balance. 
Right. You have to find the balance of, uh, and you have to know the intricacies of those balances, and that's where the gut comes in. You know, awesome. that's where the balance, if you feel that balance and it flows and nothing feels off or wrong somehow, then you go with it. The, I don't know. Well, let me ask like you I this. Said, the, so we're talking this, about, this, we're, we're talking about balance. So how do you mm-hmm. how do you yourself? Um, okay, for instance, I know that if I'm going about my day to day stuff and I keep dropping things, or I stub my toe, or I kick something, or I you know run into a wall or whatever, I know I'm really out of balance. Mm-hmm. Something is off, and I have to then stop and take some time to get balanced out. What do you do? I see balance yourself out. Do you? I stretch. It sounds crazy, but I will stop and I'll get on my yoga mat and I'll sit on the floor for like 15 minutes or however many minutes I have. Mm-hmm. I will sit and either just sit with what is in disarray and kind of organize it in my head, or I will fall back on on the old thing that, that I, I I taught my dance students, when you feel that quicksand coming and everything is going wrong, you step back and you picture yourself palms up in a seated position in a field, and then you go, um, screw them, <laughs> and then you get <laughs> yourself, and you grab your bootstraps, and you move forward. That's what, that's what I do, anyway. Love it. Yes. <laughs> I love the idea. And, you know, stretching, too. Stretching has a purpose because it does help activate the chakras and help align us in that way. So, you know, that's why it's important when you get out of bed to stretch and, you know, that's kind of like a like breakfast for the body. Yeah. So. And, and it's all about, like we said, we were talking about balance. It's about flow. When you get, when you get your, your equilibrium in a general sense, you get your blood flowing, whether you have coffee or you run five miles, which I think is insane because I don't know why you'd want to run anywhere if you weren't being chased by a big dog or a man with a knife. But that's just me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. However you get your motivation, find it. Make sure that finding what makes you move, whether it's music or art or drinking three cups of coffee and a Red Bull and then running around the block 64 times. It doesn't matter what it is. Embrace it and make it part of who you are and part of the reason why you wake up every day. I like what you're saying because you are allowing people, because so often we hear, well, in order to become balanced, you have to do this and you have to do this and, you know, you have to meditate for two hours a day and you have to do yoga for an hour and you have to, you know, journal for another hour. And these are things you must do. And what you're, you're telling people is look and see what works for them. See what resonates with them and what, you know, makes them feel balanced. Well, yeah. And if what you think gives you balance ultimately doesn't change what you think. That sounds simplistic, but it's not. Making a conscious decision to change the way you think about things 
is is the hardest part. You know, uh, Jim Fix, the guy that invented the jogging craze in the 70s, died of a heart attack while he was running. But, hey, he was doing what he loved. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and, I, was, and I'm going to jump in and say and add to that right there because I love that, Courtney. And that's the thing that I think that you're stressing. And, and you do this because I know you, and Annette does too, and we, and we love this <laughs> about you. And anybody that knows you loves this about you. That it's not about quantity of life. It's about quality of life. You know, people will always say, well, you can do all that, but you're going to die anyway. Well, sure, we all know that. But the fact of the matter is that you're here enjoying it, like you're having a quality life. You know, rather than quantity, it's like the, it's the quality of it, and that's what you're saying is like you know you this guy's doing what he loves, and that's what matters. You wake up and do your passion. You wake up and live your dream. You know, you wake up and and do whatever keeps you motivated to wake up every day. I love that. Right. Exactly. That is exactly what I'm saying. And it's not going to be the same for you as it is for somebody else. You right. Know, I have. That's true, and and people need to realize that and realize that they don't have to fit into the box with all these other people. Oh, I hate boxes. Boxes suck. And (laughs) and one thing thing I've noticed as I've gotten older is I care less about the box. And and that, that also splits on many levels. I have an analogy that I like to use, and I use it with my dance students, especially the ones that had a harder time breaking free of the perception of judgment and shame um, was everybody's got a box of rocks and you make a conscious choice every morning when you swing your feet out of bed. And my husband gave me this. He said, you make a conscious choice when you swing your feet out of bed in the morning and put them on the floor, whether or not to put that big obnoxious box around your neck and lead with it all day. The the thing that we do is we decide to leave it where it is, and after a while, we notice it less and less. And it it doesn't color our decisions, and it doesn't become how we relate to other people. It becomes just something that we've dealt with and we have from the past that we don't have to carry around all day anymore. Right. Right. Leave it on the dresser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some people's boxes have bigger rocks than others. Some are filled with pebbles, and you just look at them and you roll your eyes because you can't imagine how somebody could have a box that light and lead with it that strongly. Right. But it's not about what you understand about that person. It's how they're dealing with their own box of rocks. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is awesome. Well, I'm going to, okay, we're going to kind of switch gears here, and we're going to be talking about your music. Um, I can talk about that all day. (laughs) (laughs) Red Dirt Rock, where does that come from? Well, we are in Red Dirt Country, and we are not country, and we wanted to make that distinction. Um, there is a very specific ethos to the music that comes from this area, you know, and Lubbock has been cranking out, this general area has been cranking out really amazing people who tell stories in music mm-hmm. for a hundred years. And, and it, it goes unnoticed a lot of times, but this place is just a hotbed for young people with something to say. And we had our first, our first open jam or open acoustic jam at Freaky Tiki, the Freaky Tiki Tavern, it's on 25th in Texas. 
last Saturday night, and two-thirds of the people we had show up to jam were young women with original music who just wanted to sing into a mic with their guitar. And oh, I love there's that. something so encouraging about that to me, and we really want to foster that. I mean, anybody who has something to say, whether it's their own words or a cover song they love that, that speaks to them, that they've spent the hours it takes to learn how to play and plunk out on the guitar, they need to come out and play at this jam because that's what we're trying to do. Community is something that's lacking locally, and we really need to build that musical community up. Especially yeah, I, for I, the I, younger I, artists, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they don't really have that outlet, you know, unless they're, they're known and people that have been in right. the area for years. And they need exactly. that, and, and that is wonderful that you all are network. <laughs> well, and, and too, like, you know, I think one thing, Courtney, that I love about that is you said original music, and, you know, I mean, as you know, I was involved in the music community for a very long time, just booking bands, yeah. and I, I have great respect. I mean, I have respect for all musicians, of course, but the great respect for original, you know, music, for song singer-songwriter stuff, and the idea that, you know, you, you build that community because, like you said, it's it's it has dwindled, and, you know, you want to keep it alive because, my goodness, it's Lubbock, Texas, home of Buddy Holly. <laughs> it, by all means, should have a very strong music community. I mean, that's a legend, and, you know, we should be carrying that. And for you to have that and have a space where these, like Annette said, these young musicians can come in and share their original work. I mean, that's fantastic because that is, that's a platform for their, their artistic ability somewhere that they can show what they do. And that's their art form. It's, it's beautiful. I love that you host, you're hosting that. Well, and I think, I think in, in a roundabout way, my presence in the band is going to kind of pave the way for, for more female musicians to come in and want to play. And I don't mean that in a, like a, hyper feminist you know it's all because this is girl power hour but you know it's it's not all about that my presence makes it more accessible yeah i agree girls who might be a little bit um a little bit reticent about coming into a brand new jam or a jam of any kind especially by themselves with a guitar or needing to borrow one who have some like i said something to say and we want to make it so that it is an all-inclusive environment. I don't care what kind of music you play. I don't care, um, you know, we we don't care if it's in, you know, what language it's in, what the subject matter is. If it makes you feel something and you want to play it on a guitar into a microphone, come get on the list. It's really that simple. Nobody will be excluded. We will do our absolute level best to make sure that everybody gets a chance to have their voice. And... We're not going to play any kind of, you know, any any kind of politics about it. It's just if you want to do it, come in and play. We'll play if you don't because we're attention whores like anybody else and love to love to sing. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's more about fostering the future and passing the torch, potentially rebuilding a lot of that local community because we used to have a really strong one around here. But at some point, it became more competitive than collaborative, and we really wanted to go back the other direction. I think that's important. And, you know, to provide that safe place for young musicians of all kinds, um, that doesn't happen very often because so often there's 
there's a lot of um, judgment, you know, well, they're not playing my kind of music or, you know, I, you know, all the little judgments that go around. But to be able to whatever whatever little justifications they make for excluding people from their group or not going to participate sure, in. Sure. So there you go. And now you're you're providing these people, these young musicians, a place to be able to tell their stories. I bet there were some amazing stories that uh, yeah. was on the stage that yeah. night. And, there were, and, know, and it's really interesting because a lot of people, I mean, like. Tasha, yourself with your art, Annette with your art, and your Reiki, there is, that stuff needs a place to go. It needs a place to be not only fostered, but just expressed, you know. There needs to be a forum for people to say what they want, because a lot of us don't have a great, I mean, I'm kind of awkward personally, but I can leave words in, in prose and in music like crazy. It's it's the only way a lot of people have to really get their point across is through their music. Well, we're talking about introverts yeah, I mean, here, some of us. Yes. Well, yeah. you know, there's there's we three of us on the phone currently. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I kind of consider myself an introverted extrovert because mm-hmm. I can get up in front of a large group of people and talk, uh, do a pre- presentation or whatever, no problem. Don't get me to a party. You know, I don't do don't I don't do parties. So and that's in the that corner with the dog. Out of all the, <laughs> I I won't get any invitations to parties anymore. But um, <laughs> that on, on air. But you know, it's you it's a, it's a great place because as an introvert, you fear that negative talk. You know, and, yeah. and it, it really gets you to a point where you stop doing what you love if you get too much of it. And now you're well, giving think, these people that place. Right. I think I think people need to get past the the overwhelming self doubt that artists feel because it is it boils down to a fear of judgment. And honestly, when our band plays, our band now is me my husband, Mike Headley, and our second guitar player, John Rourke. And we're all kind of the same. We don't really go out a lot, but when we get up there on a stage, I've never been afraid of a stage, and anybody who's ever known me will tell you. I don't get nervous until we're at the last song, and then I start worrying about having to talk to everybody afterwards. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) there's something really wonderful about the protection of that fourth wall, the imaginary glass in front of you when you're on a stage. But Mm -hmm. it's... person-to-person stuff that's hard. Right. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that when you say that, though, like I think about, obviously, one of my favorite artists just passed away, as we know, uh, Prince, and as as such, um, you know, I think it's been one of those hard times for the entire world. I feel like some energy got sucked out because it was just some of the cool factor that was left in the world just kind of got sucked out whenever he uh, passed away. So, but I... You know, what you're saying, um, the interesting thing is every amazing artist I've ever looked to, uh, you know, and admired, and Prince being one of them, was an introvert. I mean, Prince was a, a recluse, you know, like he really, you never, right. even, you barely ever saw him do interviews. 
So I think that's pretty, you know, honestly, I mean, I think that's something that's pretty common. And, and indeed, I know for like me with TLR, whenever I do Threadlocks and Rock, I, I'm the same way as you are, Courtney. Like I'll get up there and excited about the show, but I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody afterwards. And I make like a pass that I can like get out, you know, before anybody comes to me. And I, I think Prince had an elevator that took him down from the stage, you know, down to the bottom. So he didn't even have to mess with coming off and talking to anyone. But you know, that's something I think that a lot of artists need to hear that, that they can relate mm-hmm. to with you because that fear of people, it keeps them from doing what they love, you know, instead of realizing that they can do what they love and still set those boundaries, you know, and still be able to sure. be an introvert, still do that, you know, and that's great that you're saying that because you're doing it, you know, but you're able to do it and still still honor your introversion <laughs> not have to be sure. involved with all the I extroverted was, I was raised at a country club so I could work a room blindfolded in flat shoes but it will <laughs> never happen it's, it's what's going on inside my head that is that is the real introversion thing because there's that awkward 14 year old boy that always manages to talk loudest when I'm talking to people that I have a reason to respect but don't know me very well so I dork out meeting people all the time it's it's the craziest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah, I shimmied at Neil Sean one time in front of my husband Mike, and he was like, "You are never going to be allowed to forget that ever." <laughs> <laughs> you totally just dorked out in front of the lead guitarist of your favorite band on the planet, and <laughs> no. <laughs> he, in my defense, he played me a solo from the top of the stacks. And it was the lead in to separate ways. And I lost my mind, I squealed, and I shimmied my boobs at Neil Sean. <laughs> it was my uncoolest rock and roll moment ever. And there are so many of those you don't even know. <laughs> we do need video of everything. Yeah. I, I am so happen. fortunate that in my 20s, there was no such thing as a cell phone with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. I love it. I love it. Well, you, you, how long is, has uh, Red Dirt Rock been going? I mean, how long have you all been playing? Bands are a mercurial thing. And in this town, it's it's, I mean, if you're in a band and you're over 30, you pretty much know everybody and or have played with everybody in town. Mm-hmm. And and there are, there are stories weaving back and forth. And Mike and I, my first band met for the very first time in May of 2000 at the Depot Warehouse. Wow. And I had... I had shown up to an audition a couple of days earlier for friends, Jay and John Paul, who didn't tell me that before Mike went out of town because it was his band, told them, don't hire a singer while I'm gone and no chicks in the band. (laughs) So when Mike comes back from New Orleans, he talks to Jay, our drummer, and he says, we hired a singer, dude. Mike says, I told you not to do that. He goes, she used to be a stripper. You're going to love her. And hung up on him. <laughs> so I had a I had a quite a mountain to climb before I became a respected member of the band. And my whole thing was, I don't want to be the chick in the band. I just want to be in the band. Because I have to tell you, being right. in the band is so much better than being with the band. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, oh, yeah. I've been both. Oh, yeah. I'm into that. It is so much better yeah. because you're included on inside that fourth wall and you don't have to look on with envy and living through someone else vicariously. I, I'm incredibly blessed that I get to get up there and caterwaul into a microphone and people listen. It's awesome. Do you write most of the music, or is it a collaboration, or how is it done? Mike writes the music. I write the lyrics, and um, the rest of it is fairly collaborative. And we have we're working on a CD right now, but but a weekend warrior musician like like ourselves who says we're working on a CD means it may come out before we die. It may not. We'll just see. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know everybody has has day jobs and real life gets in the way and once you're our age you start you start prioritizing your your time that you spend doing the passion things and the time that you spend doing the need to live things and right that really kind of is what dictates how fast we move and neither neither Mike nor myself ever wanted to be famous but it would be really really awesome to have somebody just spontaneously cover one of our songs sometimes that would just oh, be yeah. like simple to me, you know. Have some somebody share a CD that we put out with somebody who hears a song that speaks to them, and then they end up really loving it and sharing it as well. That that's awesome. I don't care if it's the kids that we split the jam with at Freaky Peaky. I don't care if it's some sixteen-year-old kid that hears it on the radio, and I don't care if it's you know. Britney Spears, which I would have to put my foot down and say, no, please don't support our song, but that's, that's just me. Thank you. No. She <laughs> might put a very interesting do spin on it. do not meow your way through our song. I really would hate that. <laughs> well, you're going to be, how, how often are you going to have the open jam night? The next one that we're going to do, there's nothing worse than local overexposure, and we want people to have time to prep material. So right. the next one is going to be that we host is going to be on Saturday, June 4th, I believe. Okay. So um, people it'll be the, first, to... the first Saturday in June. Yeah, just have everybody everybody mark your calendar because we want lots of people to come out, and everybody will get to play. If, if As long as it's not after last call, everybody will get to play. We would love for there to be people waiting to play, you know. That would be great. I did see videos and pictures and all that on Facebook, so that was really cool to to see. Oh, yeah. And at the time, I have friends that remember to do stuff like that when I totally forgot. My phone was in my purse the whole time. So it's great (laughs) that that we have friends that that like to come out and see us play because they took most of the pictures of of the kids that came out to play. Yeah, because none of them were taken by you, I don't think. <laughs> no. 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 Generally, my job is to work the room, which we already discussed is kind of, it, it's in my upbringing, but it's it's something that I always feel awkward doing, but I do because I, I genuinely adore a lot of the people in the room at this point. It's small, so I pretty much know everybody that comes. And I want to go around and make sure everybody knows that, that we appreciated them coming and that I, I acknowledge they're there and we really want them to come back. 
And Mike takes the pictures and runs the board and tries to settle the nerves because I'm not real good at that. I'm like, suck it up, get on stage, you know. So <laughs> he's, he's better at that than I am, the cajoling and the, and the easing of nerves. I'm not the best at that. Does, does that come from your dance instructor days? <laughs> well, yes, that's that's part of it. I have a lot of, of training that we'll save for another conversation that that probably <laughs> leads into that. But I, I, I'm i not big on, on the whole cajoling wallowers because I'm like, if you want to do it, sure, you're scared. But courage is not the absence of fear. It's pushing through the fear. And the only things you can learn sometimes are by doing them. Nobody can tell you what it's like. What I really, really love about you is that you are, I don't want to say fearless because, that to me what? doesn't make sense. Everybody is. Everybody has fear, plain and simple, sure. uh, because we're human. But you do um, push through that fear, and you're really good. I do want to take a minute to to talk about how you are so good with other women and allowing them to bloom and blossom and just step past that fear and just say, screw it, and I'm going to do this. I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, it, it, to me it's amazing because I have talked to women who have had your classes, your dance classes, mm-hmm. and they have come out of those dance classes completely changed. Sure, which, yeah. They're, I mean, I've watched them blossom like crazy, and it's the coolest thing to get to see. Um, I, I, I'm pretty straightforward and I can come off as kind of intimidating sometimes, but I made it a point when we started these classes that it was going to be, even if it's just a perception of competition, there's not going to be any competition. There's not going to be any judgment. There's not going to be any kind of needing to meet up to an imaginary standard in my class because they were already meeting up to it by getting the balls to show up in the first place. Right. And it takes a huge amount of and want to to step so far out of your comfort zone, especially about something that there are so many misconceptions about. You know, when mm-hmm. teaching exotic dance, I'm not training a legion of topless dancers to go out and weather the recession. That's not what I'm doing at all. Right. I am I am encouraging women to own the package that they occupy and quit coveting others. That's that's as about as basic as it gets. You cannot love the vessel that you're in while you're busy trying to try on other people's. You just can't. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and a lot of it is matter. like I, like I said, it's it's the deciding to do it that is the hardest part. And and how do you? I mean. Let's say you have somebody because I want to know how. I, to me, you're, you're, you know, you do things that I would really love to do, you know. Um, but you, you see these women and you see, okay, they're at your dance class and they're like looking around and they're going, oh my god, why am I here? What am I doing? And I think I just want to walk out. What do you say to this? Walking, walking the door helps. 
No, I'm just <laughs> keeping. No. There's a bolt. Getting good with the club helps. No, um, they really what we established when they first came in. I would ask them, and I would I would feel them out first, especially a new student that I had not met before. I would say, what brings you here? The most fascinating thing about what I learned through six years of teaching exotic dance is there there were a set of reasons why women would show up. And half the reasons why they would show up would involve their own self-esteem, and half of them would involve the perception that other people had of them. Mm-hmm. It was either I need to find myself and I need to get this man to appreciate me for who I was, in which case, more subtly and over a period of weeks, I would kind of get it into their brain that screw him, what he thinks is really unimportant right now. What right. you think of you is absolutely paramount because if your self-image is based on what other people think of you, you don't have one. You're too busy True. Qualifying yourself to the unrealistic expectations of other people who like to project their own insecurities on other people. We all tend to do that, you know. So if you can willfully stop wondering all the time what other people think of you, and it's a journey, but you've got to do it. You have to think, why do I care? Why do I worry about this person's opinion of me? And it's not, a journey that it, it's not a journey that you reach a destination to, with either. I mean, it's, it's no, like no, no, no. you will go through the times where you're going, oh, my gosh, look at me. And then you say, hey, I'm looking, you know, I feel good. I look good. I, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is who I am, and I love it. And then two days later, you're back. Going, oh my gosh, I feel horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and and everybody has those days. That's why I say it's a willful choice. You have to make the decision that, regardless of what it's doing, what it feels like, what it smells like, what it, whatever, is your hangup. That that is part of who you are, and you can either do something to rectify the way you feel about it, or you can do something about it. Period. And. Hey. Courtney, let me jump in as I have a question for you because, you know, as you know, I come from that counseling background and um, and I feel like what you do, even though that's not what you call it, that's what you're doing, you know, because it's like a, you know, there's art therapy and music therapy. Well, this is dance therapy, in my opinion. Very much um, so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And that's why people heal from it. And so, you know, when you talk about, like, the way you see yourself, I know a long time ago before I got my own counseling and um you know, I struggled with a lot of uh, eating disorders, exercise bulimia, all kinds of stuff. And even throughout, you know, some of my counseling process and my journey trying to to love myself, I was still struggling, obviously, with uh, exercise bulimia. And it, re- it took a long time for me to really start loving myself and understanding that the reason I had those days, like the days that I felt amazing and then the days that I was, like, looking at myself in the mirror and seeing something completely different from what other people were seeing, because we don't change from day to day, but our perception of ourselves does, and it was based on my emotional reality. What was going on within me was being projected onto the mirror reflection of me, you know? And so I was like, you know, just like people who struggle with anorexia can literally put like 20 or more pounds on themselves 
mentally when they look at themselves in the mirror. And what they see when they look in the mirror is far different than what other people see when they look at them. And that's what was going on with me. And it sounds like to me that's what's going on with some of these, you know, women that walk into your place that they're struggling with something emotionally and you're able to accurately reflect them. And not only that, but empower them and give them a new sense of not just who they are, but their own self-worth. And so then even, you know, even though you may not be touching on, and you may, you know, touch on the heavy stuff in there, but you're also helping them to get on that journey of personal growth and continue because they, they get a taste of what it's like to feel empowered and they want more of it. Well, I'll tell you what the big surprise was for a lot of them was coming into the class thinking that it was going to be something it, it wasn't. Um the reason they got something out of it is because they realized why they were there and why I was there. Um, the The addressing of those issues has to take place, and it would take place in class a lot. People tend to just tell me things. So mm-hmm. over over my journey, I have learned to accept that people are going to tell me things, and my response will have, because of whatever reason they wanted to tell me what they told me, my response is going to have a real effect on how they feel about it afterwards. For whatever reason, I mean, it's not its not really something I go looking for, but if I can provide some kind of insight to someone as I feel it, then I'm glad to help. Um, I don't come from a place where I've either always been beautiful, always been fit, you know, always been with all my dogs barking, because trust me, I'm not. The reason I am now is because I have been in those places like yourself and found the way out and have the ability to articulate it to other women. And I think that's what it is. Because, I mean, you know, I said... Yeah, exactly. You're a healer. Yeah, I I think that's who I've always been. I just kind of had to go through some of the muck before I could embrace it without feeling it was hubris. I think the best healers, that's where they do that. It's to help. Yeah. I mean, it, you have to go with instinct, but it is knowledge and not BS that backs up the instinct. You never stop learning, and you never make a blanket diagnosis on anyone because I think diagnoses are part of what ails our society today. Everybody leads with it. I'm sorry, I can't show up. I have whatever. Um, okay. So what exactly is keeping you from joining the rest of the world, you know, because it sure isn't that. So once girls showed up in my class, they had already gotten past the point where they were getting in their own way. And that gave me the ability to kind of tap into where they were looking to go and what they wanted to get from my classes. You know, the best thing in the world is to watch somebody of their own accord mimic something that you have done, but ultimately make it their own and turn it into something really beautiful. I had girls show up in class wearing long pants and a hoodie for a striptease class, and at the end of class I'm like, not only are you sweating like crazy, you can't see where your body is. Why don't you want to see your body? What's holding you back? And by the end of the four-class series, they would be in there you know, wiggling it with the best of them in a pair of shorts and a tank top because they had learned that what happens in those four walls 
did not come with the same kind of imaginary ramifications that they meet out in the world, and that travels out into the world with them. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're lovely. really lucky, I they'll love take it. it with them. They'll take it with yeah. them if you're, if you're really lucky. And something I love that you say, and I'm, I, I know we're about to run out of time, and Annette's going to wrap us up, but I just, I, it's something that I love that you said, you talking about, you know, the overdiagnosis in the world and that people use that. The thing of it is, and I know that you're saying this, you know, it's like you, it, that's one of the things they changed in even, even the mental health field that we no longer say, you know, um, this person is depressed, you know. We say that it's a person right. struggling with depression because the difference in semantics is huge. Um, because in one statement, you're just defining that individual as depression. And in the other statement, you're just saying this is an aspect of that individual. And that's what you're you're saying. You know, it's like you, you learn to realize that there's aspects of you, and that doesn't have to define you. And so you can still come in here and, and find other aspects of you, you know, that that can really grow you and empower you and help you accept you and embrace all that, but not let it hold you back. Like you said, not let yourself be your own worst enemy and get in your own way. Sure. Ownership and smacking people in the face, you know, ownership of your, of your own shortcomings or struggles or issues or what have you, your self image is one thing. Smacking people in the face with your box of rocks, because that's how you keep them at arm's length is totally different. And that applies to any interpersonal situation, whether it's, a dance class when you're, you know, I'm out trying to sell soap or you're trying to negotiate on the price of a car or you're walking from your car to the grocery store. You are much less likely to be victimized if you look like you are comfortable in your skin, period. Absolutely. And that's just, I mean, that, and what you're teaching these women is how to look and feel comfortable in their skin so that, they can go out in the world and, you know, live it without being feeling like they're a victim. Sure. You can't feel like a second-class citizen and convince anybody else you're not. Right. You can't live like a second-class citizen and expect to be treated like you're, you're equal. You, and we are as guilty as women of enabling that kind of behavior as men are of falling back on old misogyny. It's just, it's learned behavior. We have to change the way we think about things in order to make real change within ourselves, and that projects it out into the world. So however passive it is through Valhalla Bound and through our music and through the classes I've taught in the past, it my only goal is to pay forward something that, whether consciously or subconsciously, benefits someone else. See why we love this woman? (laughs) I know. That's that's so powerful. That is, and, and, you know, you do it in such a way that um, there's, there's no ego involved. I never, I never see ego involved in anything you do. Or anything you oh, talk say. to me about five minutes after we get off stage. It'll be that's all there is. <laughs> you just gotta have to wade through it, wade through it, and pat me on the head and go, okay, shut up now. <laughs> but you know, you do it in such a way that there's there's no ego involved, and there's not the bragging, and there's not the you know, when you you know when you go into the dance class, you're not 
saying, oh, look what I can do. You're no, saying, here's some wisdom. Down. Here's some, you know, here's some wisdom. Here's some, here's some uh, things that I can show you and teach you and so that you feel better about yourself and that you, you, you learn to accept yourself and love yourself regardless sure. of shape, size, or anything like that. And, and that's what I love so much because you don't see people, um, you don't see a lot of people out there doing what you do. Uh, well, I don't know of anybody that does what you do. Seriously, but I was just sitting here trying to think of somebody that does what I do. I don't know anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I I know. I. I, It just kind of finds itself. You put it out there. Yeah, you put it out there, and you. You don't do ego, and you 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 want to share, and that is that's what makes. What's what makes you so lovable? (laughs) Aw, you're so sweet to me. <laughs> you're just you're just saying that because I gave you a buttload of of really cool bath products. No, no, I say that anyway. I say that anyway. But I appreciate a buttload of stuff. <laughs> I will use it. Now. It's so Uh-oh. good. And I mean, I always tell people uh, if you're listening and you're in Lubbock, um, go to the Lucky Ladle. You can get the Hall Bound products there, or you can contact Courtney. Directly. Um, yeah. Do you want them to contact you through Facebook? Yes. There is also point? email. It is thehollowbound at suddenlink.net. Okay. Thehollowbound at suddenlink.net. Mm-hmm. So we'll get that. I'll even so, it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get it on uh, <laughs> Facebook on the Girl Power Hour uh, site and so people can contact you because I know that People are going to want this, and oh, I they'll want it. They don't know they want it yet, but they'll want it. <laughs> oh, they do want it. Um, when they, every time I was in Lucky Ladle, and somebody would come in and they'd be looking at your stuff, I'd run over there and go, "You've got to try this. This is the best stuff ever." <laughs> See, to and me, that is the very oh. definition of success. It's like you know, if somebody wants to share something that you did. With somebody else, it's like, oh, right, I feel like such a rock star. That's cool. Okay, well, that's, I, I do it all the time. And I was telling my daughter, I said, oh, you've got to try this. Speaking <laughs> of rock star, where can they hear your music? Where can people go to hear you? Is is there a, a site where people can go and listen to any of your songs? We we also have a Red Dirt Rock uh, Facebook page but there's not a lot of music on there yet. We're in the process of recording. So there's a couple of tracks on SoundCloud under Red Dirt Rock. There are a couple of tracks on our Red Dirt Rock page that we've recorded recently. And um, we'll have more out there very soon. And we've got some new material we're working on for the next jam in June. So we'll be debuting new songs. Helping, Helping the youngsters keeps us on our toes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have all her contact information on our Girl Power Hour Facebook page, and you'll be able to contact Courtney there. And next week, and by the way, thank you so much, Courtney. I love you, you and got it. excited you that you were on the show. And we'll have you back because there's lots more to talk about. Yay, but uh, I can't next, wait. It'll be awesome. I know. Next week is Dr. Kat Morrow. Uh, she's owner and operator of Merlin's Pet Shop here in Lubbock. 
They do have an online store, which is really cool. But she practices holistic health, nutrition, and naturopathic healing for your pets. So you will really want to uh, tune in for that one. So that is May 4th. And Courtney, thank you again. Tasha, bye. (laughs) (laughs) I love you both. I'm, I'm glad it was a wonderful show. Thank you, Courtney, for doing it. I just, I love you so much, and you know this. Oh, I love you back. It was awesome. That was fun. Thanks for letting me gab for an hour. <laughs> I loved it. So we will be back here on Blog Talk Radio, and we will be back on May the 4th. See you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.